What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. I have with me today, Lindsay Arco. She's been on the podcast multiple times, an amazing, an amazing entrepreneur, and she's also a expert at sales. And that's what we're going to talk about today. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Lindsay, for those who don't know you or maybe haven't heard you on the podcast before, could you give a 30-second overview on who you are, what you've done, and what you're doing? Yeah. So um, my name's Lindsay Arco. I um, actually started my journey into real estate about seven years ago, first um, in fix and flips. And um, now I am the director of sales for Blackjack Real Estate. Um, I run our sales team. I still run appointments and, um, and I uh, manage everything from acquisitions through dispositions. Yeah. And crush it. Absolutely crush it. I obviously have a front row seat to that. So it's, it's been really amazing just to see what you've been able to do in building a team and increasing conversions and really just expanding the ability to monetize the leads that all of us pay for, right? We do lead generation. We mm -hmm. spend money on marketing and we've got to convert that into revenue in our businesses, whether you're flipping or you're wholesaling. So one component of it is marketing. A very important component of it is sales. So today, what we really want to dive into, and I think would be really helpful for a lot of other companies, sales is such a pain point for people and figuring out how to get somebody on your team or how to bring somebody on your team through hiring salespeople. And then maybe even more importantly, the ability to manage, like how do people even do that? So for you, I know you have a really detailed and well thought out system that you've been implementing. Mm -hmm. I would, I would like you to help those who listen to this podcast understand how do I go out and find somebody to help me with sales? What is the process for that? How do you do it? And uh, maybe just give them an overview on that. Sure. So I think that um, this this has to be well thought out and you, you have to have a, a very detailed plan because running sales yourself isn't really that difficult. You you know the process, you, you know you need to follow it. But when you start looking to add members to your team, you're working with different personalities, varying levels of experience. And so um, having a dialed in strategic plan for, for first uh, recruiting, so getting candidates in the door, qualifying the candidates and, and actually getting them through the interview process to selection is probably the most strategic and important part. We start, um, for us, what we start with is an ad, typically on a platform like Indeed or, or Wise, um, an ad that attracts candidates. Um, we talk a lot about our culture in our ad because we're looking to attract um, people who have the same values that we do. 
And so having a core values match is, is very important. Um, whether or not they have an extensive sales background isn't really that important. Um, we're looking for very sp specific profiles. We've identified um, three profiles that, that historically have performed very well in sales um, in Blackjack. And so the first thing we do once we get a candidate is we have them go directly to our culture index um, surveys site and actually take the survey. Um, that saves a lot of time in ensuring that we have the right candidate to even qualify and move forward with um, before we spend a lot of time talking to people. That can be exhausting, especially if you're busy running the day-to-day -day of your business. You don't want to talk to people who are not even real candidates for what you're looking for. Yeah, so for those who don't know, this has been talked about on the show in the past, but Lindsay mentioned Culture Index. It's a paid service that helps you get the right personality profile. You can think about it like the DISC profile. Tony Robbins has the DISC profile, D-I-S-N-C, and it talks about who somebody is at their core to make sure you're getting the right type of person for that job role. And the the real the real benefit of it is is you don't want to hire somebody who likes, you know, you don't want to hire somebody for sales who might like being in spreadsheets all day doing routine mundane tasks. They would, you know, wear themselves out in in sales. So it sounds like Lindsay, you're you open up a top end of a of a funnel, if you will, mm -hmm. to bring in candidates to you. And the first kind of level of qualification or screening is their personality profile. So once you get the right fits inside of that personality profile, what what are you doing next to hire them? Well, you you actually said job ad first. So de mm -hmm. designing a job ad that attracts the right person bringing them to a culture index profile or a disc profile to see if they're the right fit. And then where do you go next in your hiring process? So then the, the next step is just a, a preliminary um, interview. Um, we use who, the who system to interview our candidates and um, we're, we're digging in just first, just on a preliminary level to see um, who they are, what they do, what attracted them to our ad and um, identify if they're even somebody worth having a full length interview with their their time schedule their their lifestyle or their desires as far as like income potential etc might not align with who we are and what we look for and so that's the first inter step in the interview process and, and that's a very short interview um, typically 15 minutes or less um, and once that interview is done, if, if they're a match to the, that criteria, then we'd move them to a, a more in-depth interview where we're looking to see um, what their influences have been in the past, what their goals are for the future, um, a deep dive into their resume and what they've accomplished so far, and what their goals are for the future. So you mentioned that we use the who method. And for those that don't know, there was a book on hiring called the who, or it's called who W H O. Um, I believe the author is George Schwartz or something to that effect, but really what it is is a process where you're taking folks through a couple different interviews 
one is an initial interview and you have a specific set of questions, we won't go into those because they're outlined in that book if you want to read them. Um, and then we tailor those questions to what we're looking for and to our company and that particular position. And that 15-minute interview then leads into a much deeper, longer um, longer interview. So with those interviews, do you do anything or ask anything unique to a sales position? And if if so, are you doing any additional interviews specific to sales? Mm-hmm. Maybe their skills or something like that? So I guess maybe I should back up a little bit because I think this is a really important point. When you're interviewing candidates, the reason why it's so important to have a a specific process with detailed questions is because you want to make sure you're asking each candidate the same questions. Otherwise, you can connect with somebody and have a really great conversation and then not have consistency. So you're not really grading your candidates then, you know, the same. And and that's, you know, unfair. So um, the questions that, that we ask in that second interview really dig into who that person is and what drives them. Um, what has influenced them in their life so far? Who's been the most influential person and why? Um, what what managers or, or bosses have they had in the past that they didn't like and why? And that they did like and why? Just to see if from a culture perspective, we're going to be a fit. And then um, I do I do dig into the resume um, specifically if there's sales information in there to see what they've done in the past, what they've sold, how well they did. So if, for an example, if they were on a sales team of 50 salespeople, where did they rank and what prevented them from ranking in the top three if they didn't? And if they did, what was it that they did that got them to that, that top tier status. Yeah, that's great. So they're, so you're, if they came from a sales background, you're able to very clearly ask specific questions about their key performance indicators, Mm -hmm. what, how they performed, what were the metrics that they were told they had to hit? And then how did they perform against those metrics? Because we have in the real estate industry, if we're doing marketing, we have similar similar key performance indicators, regardless of the widget that you're selling. And in our case, it's, it's buying real estate. So that's, I think that's really impactful. What are some, what are some red flags you see on, on resumes as you go through the hiring process? And then what about the, um, the references? Do you do anything with that? Yeah. So, um, red flags for me would be somebody who's consistently moved around through several jobs and and didn't stick with anything for very long. That would indicate to me that they likely wouldn't stick with us either. Um, I ask questions. It's, it's interesting when, when we're looking for sales, we think of the interview process as being very friendly and, and it's cordial, but at the same time, what we're hiring for isn't easy. It's a hard job. And um, to work with us, you have to be willing to use a script, talk a certain way at a certain speed, and we'll hold our team relentlessly accountable to those standards. And so if somebody was moving around a lot through different positions and didn't like being coached and doesn't like following a process, that would be somebody who wouldn't be a, a good fit for our team. So I'm looking to see is what were their habits 
what did they do? What else have they done outside of their profession to, um, for professional development? Do they read books? What's the last book they read? Have they invested in professional training? How, how has that impacted them? It, it gives me insight into how much work they're going to be willing to put into their craft. Yeah, I think that's, that's phenomenal. Those, those are little telling bits of information that lead you to ask really great questions to dig deeper than the surface, which I think is, is phenomenal. There's two parts. There's two parts I'm really interested in, mm-hmm. um, in sales in general, it's one of the highest earning potential industries you can be in regardless of what you're selling. So for a real estate company, like a real estate wholesaling company, or even a flipping company who's doing direct to seller marketing, what are what what's the income potential for typical sales reps? So if, if somebody's thinking about either getting themselves out of the sales seat, but they don't know how much they should pay somebody, or um, if somebody's thinking about joining a team in sales, what's the income potential and how do they typically get paid? So um, you, when you're hiring a, a sales rep, the, the very best performers, the people who are going to be amazing at what they do, really want to be straight commission. And I know that that's sometimes difficult to attract candidates like that. Um, I, I hear that a lot throughout um, the real estate community is that finding somebody who just wants to be straight commission is tough. And, um, but, but what I have found is when somebody is going straight commission, um, they work very hard. They are because they're results oriented. They have to be, if, if they don't follow a process and get the result, then they don't get paid. So, um, it, it's a different level of performance. Um, so, so that's one thing that the actual structure Second, um, I, I can tell you a little bit about how we structure our pay. Our reps are paid ten um, percent of gross profit. So we used to have a tiered system, and it it became complicated. If if they hit certain levels, they got different percentages. And what I found is that the reps really uh, didn't consistently follow that. They were always asking me how much they were getting paid and. And when, and so we just simplified it to make it really easy so that they understood where they stood at all times. Um, you know, keep it simple, stupid, <laughs> just, you know, okay, I, I sell this, this is what I get. Um, so I think making it easy for them to understand what they're going to make at all times is really important. And then showing them the potential. This is something that was actually a struggle for me when, when hiring, because I'm so self-directed. I know exactly the, the path or, or where I need to go and what I need to do to make money, but not everybody thinks of it that way. And so what I, what I found is um, we put together basically a, a spreadsheet where um, we know what our, our average um, profit per deal is or our average assignment fee is, and we can work with them to build their goals into that worksheet so they know exactly how many, how many contracts they need to get, how many phone calls they need to make, how many appointments they need to run and, and based on their current closing ratio. And then we can adjust that as um, they get better at their craft. So um, it's gonna be different for everybody as far as what the potential is. Because somebody's straight commission, you don't have to worry about making those monthly payments and, and impacting your business that way. 
but you do have to be able to provide them um, with enough opportunities so that they can hit their goals. And so understanding what your marketing budget is and how many leads you can produce or what the expectations are going to be if that particular person is going to be door knocking or, or generating their own leads um, to build a realistic plan for them to follow. Um, for us, if, um, if a rep is looking to make you know $100,000 or, or less in a year, that's not going to be a strong performer and somebody who's going to do really well on our team because with the opportunities we have, they should be setting them, themselves up to make 150 plus if they're really doing a great job. Yeah, I, th- I think it's unlimited potential and the sales, the, for everything from the job ad to how we do business attracts that person who's attracted to the unlimited potential. And in order for them to get there, there you have a path laid out for them, key performance indicators that they should be hitting in order to hit their goals. And you're doing it based off of their goals, not your own, which is really, really powerful. Um, I think that alignment is really phenomenal. There's Before we kind of go into the management side, because you've kind of leaned into that with some of the KPI stuff, mm-hmm. um, I'm really interested there's this dichotomy in the space that is some people will say, don't hire salespeople who have previous sales experience because they have different habits, different sales models they've used. And some people will say, no, you want to hire experience because the ability to train them is really, really challenging, especially if you're not an expert at sales. So where do you fall on that spectrum? What do you think about um, hiring people with experience versus not hiring with uh, versus not no experience? We've done both and, and there's benefits and challenges to both sides. So if somebody doesn't have experience, I wouldn't exclude them. If they, if they match, you know, if their core values match, if their profile match and, um, and, and if their goals, their personal goals align with our companies. So I wouldn't exclude them, but, but you have to keep in mind, if you're going to do that, you are going to have to put in a different kind of work with that person from a training standpoint. To me, it's easier to train somebody on our sales process who doesn't have any bad habits. What's harder is teaching them how to comp, um, how to structure offers, especially creatively. We're always trying to give two to three options to our sellers. And so teaching them that is is where I'm going to spend a little bit more of my time. The script is going to come much easier to that person. If I have somebody who has a sales background um, or specifically in real estate where they've, they've, you know, been in our, in our world, they have an easier time with those things. I don't have to spend quite as much time teaching those skills, but I know that I'm going to spend more of my time with them on scripting because I'm going to have to change the way they speak and, and the techniques that they've used to get them to the point they are now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not an absolute, right? Um, no. you just know that it comes with different requirements, different requirements for training, different requirements for mm-hmm. continued training and onboarding. And, you know, even, even some people who have skills still require a deep level of training and onboarding and, and inculcating into, to our culture. I think that's where a lot of business owners get lost is they're hiring somebody out of pain um, or, or sales directors are hiring. I, I really need another salesperson and they hire them and then they just let them out into the wild. And then they can't figure out why, why it's not working out. This person seems so good. They seem like they had skills or, 
um, whatever it may be. And then, you know, they churn through salespeople. But I think, I think that's a good segue. So once you have a job ad out and you go through a really good process mm -hmm. where you're, you're finding somebody who's, who's well aligned with your company, it, then you, then you onboard them, you bring them in, you give them the baseline training. I'd like to go a little bit into management because management is, is a lot more involved than I think people think. Um, you build a sales team or you hire a salesperson. What do I need to do to cultivate that person, to help them grow, to manage them, to ensure they're hitting their goals? Like what is the process or system to do that? So the first thing would be that you've already decided to hire and you're making a commitment to this person that you're hiring. And so the next thing before anything else is you have to make the time commitment to training them and to, to working with them. Um, we have so many other things going on in our business that we, we're putting out fires, we're sometimes running appointments ourselves, we're managing different things. And so uh, we, we tend to leave the sales team to fend for themselves. And that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> so, um, so first commit to, to spending the time. Um, one of the most simple things you can do is to just have a daily huddle. If you have one acquisitions person or, or an entire team, is to every day in the morning, start of the day, have a 10 to 15 minute huddle. Um, and, and on that huddle, um, you're gonna go over the, the previous day's KPI results and we'll dig into that in a second. And we're gonna look at anything that we have in our pipeline that is challenging, maybe somebody needs help with, um, quick help. If they need additional help or training, we'll schedule a, a separate session. Um, and then also just marching orders for the day, uh, depending on what marketing or leads we have coming in, there may be a specific focus. And it's a great check-in. It's, it's great for morale. We're always talking about, you know, where our KPIs are and then where we are. We have quarterly goals and monthly goals for our sales team and where we are in accordance to those goals so that everybody always knows um, exactly where they stand um, individually and then where we stand as a company. So you're, your your team is they're on this daily 10 to 15 minute huddle they're mm -hmm. going through the previous day's kpis they're talking about what's in their pipeline that maybe they're working through some things with those sellers and um and you do training too right like what does that look like so if i come on your team and i'm doing the daily huddles um, i've been onboarded i have baseline training but my skill set is always being refined so what does that look like for an individual member on your team? So the huddle is just strictly a, a 15 minute session and it's, it's a touch base um, pump up for the day. And, and then we have training separate from that. So um, our acquisitions team has training uh, acquisitions training every Wednesday. At, at that call, we're actually going through and it's a cycle. We're talking, um, we're always going back to first the, the five principles of sales, the seven step sales process that we use and, and working and drilling down into each one of those seven steps. So we usually have one step a week that we review. Um, we, we go over current results first to identify where they need the most help. And then we role play and deep dive into those scenarios. The best thing you could use are actual examples from, you know, calls that the team has had, or even, you know, team members are encouraged to bring a, a call 
or scenario that they struggled with and want help role playing through it. And so um, you don't just go through that one time, right? That's ongoing. And you, you go through that every week. It starts off um, when somebody's new, very simple. Usually it's just really script related. And then as um, they learn and they start to develop their craft and they get better, we go into more advanced training, objection handling, um, things that are really going to push their performance forward. So that's every week on Wednesday. Um, It's about 45 minutes to an hour. And then each team member has a one-to-one each week. Um, We use a quality scorecard. We're going to review one call during the session. Um, And so before the call, they, they actually will review the call, listen to it and grade themselves. And then I individually listen to the call and grade them. And then we'll listen to a call again together. We'll review the scorecard. Um, it's sometimes we're on the same page about the grading of a call. Sometimes we're on a really different page, which really identifies for me where somebody is going to need the most help, right? If, if they think it went great and I don't think it went great, then we'll, we'll dig into that. And we, um, we end it with some role playing. Um, and then um, on the, the 15th and the 30th of each month, there's a check-in. Um, that check-in is a one-to-one as well with each rep, and it reviews uh, where we are as far as performance to the, to the KPI um, and also our, our revenue standards. And are we on track? Are we off track? Why? Um, what do you think you did well? What do you think you need help with? What don't you want me to ask you? And um, it seems like a lot of training, right? I'm having a lot of meetings. And um, to many people, that seems overwhelming. But the amount of momentum, um, buy-in, accountability, and transparency that comes out of that is what really delivers superior results. Yeah, and I think everybody, everybody who's doing marketing and wants to convert marketing, I want to put $1 in and get three, four, five, six, seven, ten dollars $10 back. And in order to do that, you have to have the ability to convert those leads, those marketing dollars, and you have to convert them in a really efficient and effective way. This is, this is a really well thought out, great system. I think, you know, you and I talked about this and we continue to talk about this, but in the military, you, you know, we always say things like you kind of fall, you fall back to your training in the, the hardest situations. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in a high pressure situation and I have done thousands of repetitions, I'm going to fall back to what I practice. And it's the same thing on the phone with sellers. You are getting put into interesting conversations where you have to lead the conversation through asking great questions and you have to understand the sales process to do that. And it's a little bit of a, um, a mental gymnastics game. You have to be very sharp and know where you're at and know what questions to ask. So you're always going to fall back to your training. And if you're doing repetitions on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis, your, your skill level is going to naturally rise. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's the way the military can have a million people in it all going in one direction towards a common purpose. Just like we are, we have a common purpose. We want to help sellers who are in tough situations, 
get rid of their houses as quickly as possible in most cases. So I, I think the training, I think the training aspect is underappreciated by a lot of business owners. It, it seems like this might be complex. Can anybody really implement this type of system? Is it, is it hard to implement? What would it take for a business owner who's listening to this to implement into their business today? The, the most difficult thing about it is the discipline it takes to do it, commit to it. It's when we get busy, it's so easy to, to cancel a meeting, but then you miss an opportunity to, to help your team win. So you have to be willing to dedicate the time and be disciplined about being there religiously every single week or for every single call or every single morning for your huddles. Um, commit to that. So do that. Um, there's a, there's a ton of tools out there. Um, we're sharing ours. So if you don't have to reinvent the wheel, you can just, you know, use our KPI sheets. You can use our quality score trackers. Um, we've put a lot of time and effort into them. And, and the, the thing that we found with them is that if you, if you consistently use them, um, you can become very accurate at, at predicting results. For example, if you're measuring KPIs of your team every single day on our team, um, our team is required to have 60 calls per day or 180 minutes of talk time or make three offers or get one contract. So they have to meet one of those four criteria each day. And when you start to see performance slip, you'll know before it happens because you'll see differences or changes in their KPIs every single day. So if we're making a ton of phone calls, we're making a hundred calls a day, but the average talk time is 20 minutes and they ran four appointments, then I know that they've spent five minutes per appointment. So did they really follow the sales process? No, they couldn't have because it takes a half hour minimum. So just by tracking those key performance indicators without listening to a call, you can you can understand and predict what's actually going wrong and then drill down into that one thing and customize whatever training you're going to work on based on those numbers. Yeah, what what I really love about this because as a business owner, you you have to know your numbers. This stuff isn't that it it may seem or feel like ah oh, that's a lot of stuff to implement, but they're really simple systems. Like we're in obviously seven figure flipping we have a great community of people who are sharing these best practices. And when you set up this system, you set it up so that the, your reps, the people that work on your team, you know what their goals are. So if their goals are to do a certain amount of revenue or make a certain amount of money, and you have a, a system that gives you accurate feedback, you can easily look at that system and go, you said your goal was this, but you're, activity is this. And we know that in order to reach your goal, your activity needs to be here. And I think the other powerful thing too, is uh, you have, you have standards, you have minimum standards that if you want to be on this team, this is the minimum standard. You won't succeed if you're not at least hitting the minimum standard. And we just know that because we have a community of investors and, and business owners We've been doing this for such a long time. We have all this aggregated data we can look at to go, this is just what it takes. And I think that's really powerful. And I think that's really helpful too for bringing uh, somebody onto your team and having that kind of clarity for them. 
and they know exactly what you're, the path you're laying forward for them and what they have to do to achieve their goals, not just the company's goals, but their goals, which is, it's, it's really powerful stuff. It's, it's really impressive to watch you uh, build the team and also build out these systems and processes. So uh, it, it's, it's super cool for, for those, for those who have uh, marketing coming in and, they're working on converting those leads into dollars and into contracts to get deals. What's the one piece of advice you'd give maybe to the solo operator who's doing their own sales? Because they're they're not going to implement all these systems yet until they hire somebody. So what would you tell them? What's the one piece of advice from a sales perspective that they could take away and implement today? Um, I'll give you two things, actually. So the first is the hardest thing as a, a solo entrepreneur who's doing all the things is um, making time. Um, you get a lead in and the phone rings and you don't have time to answer it. So that needs to become the, the priority first is um, if it's a inbound, you know, paper lead that needs to be called in, you know, a minute or less. And, and then um, when you send out mail, figure out what it costs to make your phone ring. How much did you spend versus how many phone calls did you get? That's what you're burning every time you don't answer that phone. So um, that's that's the money phone, answer it. So that's the first thing. Um, second, track your results. If you, <laughs> this happens so often, you, you talk to somebody on the phone, you make an appointment, you go out, you see the house, and then you're like, oh, shoot, I got to go run my numbers. And then you run your numbers and you're like, oh, I'm pretty far off where they wanted to be. And then you never make an offer. If you set the appointment and you <laughs> analyze the deal, it doesn't matter what the offer is. Make the offer. So many times we just don't make offers and hold yourself accountable to that and make those offers and then follow up. It, it's very short, simple process. But if you do those things, you will get results. Yeah, I love that. If you do the upfront work to look at the deal, go on the appointment, make the offer, and then you paid for the lead to come into your system. Now um, it's it's the oxygen of your business, as Mike Simmons would say. Now you've got that thing, that lead in your ecosystem, and you're you know there's a thirty, forty, fifty, seventy thousand dollar check on the other end of that you got to make the phone calls and follow up with the people. So that, I mean, that's great advice. Obviously we in the seven figure flipping community are talking about this every day. I think that's super awesome. All right, Lindsay, where can, if people want to follow you and see what you're doing in sales, where can people find you at? Um, two places. One would be on Facebook. Um, it's just my, my first and last name. And um, on Instagram, it's L Arco one Oh two. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Check us out at sevenfigureflipping.com. Thank you, Lindsay. Once again, an absolute killer podcast. Super grateful for you. Thanks. Bye.